Hi, I'm Jessie, your host of the Jessie Williams podcast. I'm a personal trainer and women's online health coach, bringing you all things health, wellness, money, mindset, and just life in general. If you want to learn, laugh, and up-level your life, this is a podcast for you. Each episode, we'll talk habits, tips, tricks, and big ideas to nourish your mind and inspire you to create your dream life by design. Let's dive in. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode. I am so excited to be sitting here today bringing you a new guest who is Matt Karma, and he is someone who helps people release trauma and remove destructive thought patterns, which is so incredible. And I think that he can speak to so many different topics, which is why I am pumped to have him here. So without further ado, welcome, Matt. Thank you for having me on. I'm pumped to be on here. Yeah, I thought um, a fun way to actually kick off today because I feel like so much of what we're probably going to dive into is going to be so deep um, and quite intense. So I thought a light way to actually kick off is for me to do a little bit of a rapid fire questions for you. Just super random, like totally don't relate to anything, just something fun for people to get to know you. Um, So let's kick off with um, if you were an animal, what would you be? A lion. Do you want me to describe why? Yeah, go for it. I love well, it. One of the things that I always find is that when people resonate with an animal, there's usually an aspect of themselves that they resonate with. There's a part of that they see in that animal. The reason why I love lions is because they're like, they represent the masculine and the feminine. Masculine meaning like they have a target and they want to go and get it, right? Ferocious. And then there's the feminine side of them where they can relax. They're, mu- they're very much about family. They're very, they have that nurturing side of them as well if you ever watch them. And I feel like, that just is a perfect reflection to what I really love um, or aspire to be even more of like the masculine feminine, the perfect balance. Yes. I love that. Did you know that I have a lion tattoo? No. Where? Show me. Yeah. On my arm. I've got, um, it's like, you actually can't really tell that it's a lion, um, but that's it. Like upside down. That's it sideways. But anyway, I'll send you, I'll send you a photo after. It's actually because I'm a Leo is my star sign. (laughs) Well, I'm on the cusp. I'm Cancer and Leah, like I'm on the cusp of it, July 20th. Oh, wow. There you go. So I love lions as well. They're like my jam and I totally, for the exact same reason. So that's really cool. Um, next question. What's your coffee order? I just posed about that today. I don't know if you saw that. Soy latte. I did, yeah. Yeah, soy, soy latte. latte. That's my go-to. Every yes. Day. Love it. I'm a almond cappuccino. Almond cappuccino. like that. Almond cappuccino. I do, I do cappuccino sometimes. If I just get bored of it, but most of the time it's 99% of the time it's soy latte every day. Right. I only drink soy if I have a chai. Ah, uh, okay. Great. Yeah. I don't know why. Just love soy in a chai. Um, who is one of your biggest inspirations um, in terms of like uh, anything from like a mentor to someone who's into self-development? Like who do you just love their content? I the content. So let me answer in two ways. The people who, um, I guess, inspire me, there's two different types of people. There's the people that you just spoke about with like people putting out content. And then there's the people who are doing the inner work that are not wanting to do the things, not wanting to face the things. There's maybe some things that have gone on during their childhood and they have that courage to be able to go, okay, this is really, really scary. And I'm still going to face it anyways. So those people really inspire me. But then the people in terms of the putting out content, people who come to mind are people like Tony Robbins, people like Dr. Joe Dispenza, people like Kyle Cease. These are people who are critical um, 
mentors for my journey when I was growing up and still to this day. So like those are the, the big three, I feel. Yeah, awesome. I've never heard of Kyle Cease. What's he about? He's amazing. He's like, he combines transformation with comedy. And um, yeah, he's a big reason why I'm here in Bali. He's a big reason why like, I've learned to like listen to my heart. So definitely check him out. He's amazing. Awesome. I love that. Um, and then the last thing I'm going to ask you is tell us three things that you feel you can't live without. Three things that I can't live without. So possessions, yeah. You can interpret that any way you like. Three things that I can't live without is not non-possession, meditation, because if I don't meditate, I turn in literally into a different human. So there's meditation, number <laughs> one. Number two, the internet. The reason why is because I'm able to like broadcast a message to people all around the world. So I love that. And number three, running. I love running. I love mm. to like just moving in general, but like running is like my form of therapy sometimes. Just yeah. absolute presence, getting my body moving, being with myself completely and no music. I love that. Yes, so good. And I feel like you, I just have to start this off by saying, I feel like you are such an expander for me. Someone who, you know, like expanders, those people who you look at and you're like, they almost are like that's always like that step ahead of you, but in a way that inspires you. Mm. You never make me feel lesser than, you just always make me feel inspired to, inspired to kind of chase that next thing. And I think that's so much maybe because I know we've been through a lot of similar things in terms of binge eating and then yeah. you were once a personal trainer and then you were yes. doing like group coaching and then you were doing online coaching and then I feel like you're always like that person who's a next step ahead but you just in a way that you are so light and bright that you inspire people so I just had to kick this off by saying that yeah. um anyone listening Matt was actually my first ever business coach who yes. really really got me up and running where <laughs> I am now so um Hats off to you. Um, cool. So let's let's turn this back right onto you and it kind of like the work that you do and things like that. And the first thing that I really want to dive into with you, because this is something, and I feel like so much of what we're going to talk about, I've dived into in my own journey, but this is one where I've done no delving into, and that is shadow work. Yes. So can you tell us a little bit about what shadow work even is and why is it important? For sure. So I'll, I'll break down what shadow work is. I'll tell a story as well that really helped me solidify how important this actually is. And then give everyone who's listening some tools that they can use to be able to do shadow work. So shadow work, when you think about the shadow, what this basically is, it's that part of us that we suppress. For example, there's a part of us that we want, want to show to the world. This is anything that might be aligned with love and light. So a happy side of us, the part of us that expresses joy. But then there's also a side of us that we all have that we suppress, that we put into the shadow. That's why it's called the shadow work, right? So the shadow is those parts of us that we maybe put a moral judgment on. For example, the, angry, the, the, the happy side of me, that's okay to express to the world. The angry side of me, I don't want to show that to the world. I'm going to shut that down. Or my sexual side of me, I'm going to shut that down. Or the part of me that judges others, I'm going to shut that down. And what happens is when we start to suppress these sides of us, such as anger, everything is a big web of connection. I found that with personal training when I had back pain. When I went to a physio, she describes to me my back pain wasn't coming from my back. It was coming from my ankles. It was coming from my psoas. It was coming from all these different other parts of me. And what I found is that that is a perfect reflection to 
other parts of us that we suppress, that if we suppress it, other parts of us are going to be suppressed as well. For example, if we suppress our anger, what tends to happen is our anger, our anger, our passion becomes suppressed as well. Because passion, I find, is usually just love and anger mixed together. It's this yes. cocktail of emotions that becomes combined. And if you see, for example, with what you're doing, it's probably because there's so much anger with what's happening around the world with people's body image being distorted or people dieting all the time. So there's so much anger for what's happening in the world. And there's so much love for your clients. There's so much love for helping people. And these two things combined together creates passion, right? So with shadow work, how I really found that it was so important was I remember it was about a few years ago, I was at this, uh, I was at this workshop and I was like a guardian, just a support crew member. And the very first day that everyone was walking in, there was around 70 people walking in and I was in the background just at this desk, just looking at everyone who was entering into the door. And I heard this person before I saw them, I heard them and they were so damn loud because there was music pumping. She came in just screaming. She came in just dancing. And then there was like this little dance circle and she was always the one that was in the middle, just fully embodied, fully integrated, just expressing herself however she wanted. And she was always the one when everyone was asking a question, her hand was always raised, asking questions, just speaking up. And I remember just sitting at the back, being so damn triggered by her and I didn't know why. There was all of this emotion emerging within me. There was so much judgment towards her and I didn't know why. That night, I remember I was walking home uh, to the hotel that I was staying at. And I remember just laying in bed, just thinking to myself, like, why do I feel this emotion? Why do I feel this anger towards her? I had no idea why. And that's when it clicked. And when I figured out what it was, I made a commitment to myself that the next morning I was going to go and reach out to her. So I walked in the next day and then I saw her. She was filling up her water bottle. And I walked up to her and I said, hey, I know that this is like super random, um, but I just want to let you know that yesterday you really triggered me. And then she was like, she could see in her face that she was a bit shocked. And I said, well, I just want to like let you know why. What happened was for a very long time, I was disowning a lot of part, certain parts of me because I was bullied as a kid. I was called fat Matt. I was called mute karma because I was so shy instead of Matt karma. And I just found that with what you were doing, you were so loud. You were so unapologetically you, you were taking up so much space and it was reflecting back to me certain parts of me that I was disowning. So I just want to say thank you. And she was like, that's, that's okay. And she was kind of confused at the same time. And what I found is that this part of me was dormant. This part of me that wanted to take up space, this part of me that wanted to be expressed, this part of me that just wanted to have fun. But I was shutting that part down because I was judging, judging that side of me. You can't dance, Matt. If you dance, then you're a girl. Like this shit was just all in my mm. mind, all of this programming. You can't speak up, Matt, because remember when you spoke up that you got bullied. Be mute. Don't speak up. Don't take up space. So all of these things was happening. I was judging these parts of me and she was just an awesome mirror, an awesome reflection back to parts of me that I was disowning. So for anyone who is wondering how you can start to do shadow work, pay attention to who and what you judge. Because who and what you were judging is, or whatever it is that is triggering you, is teaching you. 
It's like the universe, God, spirit, whatever it is that you believe, holding a flashlight to those parts in your body where emotion is feeling heavy. And it's saying, that's where your work is. That's where, where emotional freedom is. Look at it, face it, feel it. And then what happens is when we start to do this type of work, it all clears out. And what's left is the authentic you, the you that was always there before we got programs. Because as a kid, like I, I, didn't I wasn't shy. I became shy from conditioning, from programming, right? Before high school, I was like this loud kid. I had my, my best friend back then. His name was Sean. We used to just have so much fun. But that got shut down when I started to get bullied. So um, if you want to do shadow work, like that's kind of what it is. But how you can start doing it, just pay attention to who and what you were judging. Because that's pointing towards healing or an opportunity for emotional freedom. So I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, de definitely. And I, I think I can relate to something really similar in terms of if I find myself judging someone, often that's for someone who is like super unapologetically themselves. And I definitely don't do it as much. And I think that's definitely because I've started becoming more unapologetically me. Like I'm now dancing on IG and posting it. Whereas like six months ago, I wouldn't do that. I'd be like, oh, well, people think you're an idiot because you're dancing like a goose, like things like that. But the more I do that, the more I'm not judging others for being unapologetically them. And that's such a beautiful story. And when you were telling me that, it, it's like I got this flash in my mind of an old memory that I'd never thought about. And this is so weird. And my dad would hate if he realized that this had formed a memory, but we were all at Pizza Hut with my family back when like Pizza Hut was like a dine in type of experience. And we didn't go out for dinner much as a family, but we were all out and my brothers and I were being really silly. Like we weren't sitting down at the table. We were running around Pizza Hut and stuff like that. And my dad was like, guys, come back and sit down. And then we were kind of like being a bit silly. And he was like, this is why we don't go out much as a family because you guys are embarrassing. And that stuck with me so much that being loud was embar like was embarrassing and all of these things that projected into so many areas of my life. Like I'm that friend where you could be out with a group and someone will say something to the waiter and I'm like, oh, I'm embarrassed. Like, don't speak to them like that. Or um, someone will do something to someone else and I feel the embarrassment of that person. It's like I feel more embarrassment for others than for myself because I'm always like thinking like, don't do that. Like anything that someone puts themselves out there, I'm like, oh, aren't they embarrassed? But I feel like, yeah, that memory just totally came up in my brain when you're telling me that story. And I'm like, wow, that is so interesting. And I think that you turn something that so many people would perceive as really negative or dark, basically triggers as something like beautiful in terms of being like, that's like your, your flashlight to show you where to heal, which is so amazing. And I, I love that. So thank you so much for telling us about that. The next thing I wanted to bring up with you is something that I found super interesting. And I know you've actually posted this about on social media before, and that was the five pillars of transformation. So can you tell us a little bit about, is that something that already exists? Did you coin that or create that or, and, and what is it? Yeah. So I created it out of seeing what was working for so many of my clients and what it is that I did in the past that helped me transformed from this shy kid who was called mute karma from constantly judging myself for constantly not being able to express myself from not being able to cry because that's what, not what men do like all of this stuff 
there were certain things that I did along my journey and I found that I wanted to synthesize all those steps that I did into five different pillars. And I always find that people who are on their self-healing journey, when they start to heal trauma, there's also a pattern. Success leaves clues is what Tony Robbins says. So what I'm about is like finding out what are those things and then being able to put it into a simple process that anyone can follow. So I'll give you, I'll give everyone like the overview and then I'll break each step down. So the five steps to put it simply, it's number one is self-awareness, right? Number two is being able to self-heal or clearing out anything that might be there, such as trauma and so on. And I'll break that down more in a second. But then the third step, after we do that, that this is all about self-programming. So once we've cleared that out, then what we want to do is self-program ourselves, program our subconscious, program our body to be able to guide us in the direction that we want to go in. But then after that, triggers are going to happen along the way. So we have to learn how to self-regulate our emotions. That's number four. And then the fifth part is self-leadership, right? So I'll break all this down um, right now. So what you just mentioned before, which was beautiful, is the key foundation for all transformation, which is self-awareness. It's very hard yeah. to change something if we're not aware of it. It's very hard to let go of something if we're not aware of what the thing that we need to let go of is. So the ability to do what you just did, like, ah, I remember this memory and this happened and maybe that this created this type of pattern and this type. So that is so important because what uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza always says, we need to think about what we think about. And I love that quote because it really just summarizes the most important part of self-awareness. Start thinking about what we think about. Start having, um, start looking back at certain parts of us that we might get triggered by or how we act out, how we react to certain situations, the patterns that we have. What do we do first thing in the morning? What do we do throughout our day? What do we, like just starting to become aware of all of this, right? So ways that people can do this is journal. Ways that people can do this is just meditate. Ways that people can do this is getting a coach to provide you with objective feedback to be like, yo, I noticed that when you're speaking, you use this type of language. I noticed that there is this belief that you might have. So just having someone there to reflect something back to you is so important as well because we all have blind spots. Every one of us. I have blind spots. Everyone has blind spots. So we all need a coach. Like I know that you have a coach. I have a coach. We all need that to create more self-awareness because there's only so much self-awareness that we can have by ourselves. So that's number one. The second part is all about self-healing. So this was the biggest challenge for me because I always thought to myself, like, I want to let go of this trauma, but I don't know where to start. Like, what, how do I actually do this? What do I do? Do I think about it? Do I, like, how do I even do this? So for anyone who is questioning, like, where do you start on your journey? These five steps is the key foundation. So once you have that self-awareness, then the next thing is all about self-healing. So there is so many different things, ways that you can do this. Like there's, I can't say that this is a thing to do because there's hundreds, probably thousands of different ways that you can do this, but I'll yeah. break down a few. So self-healing is all about getting to the point where there is no longer any emotional charge or very little emotional charge when you think back to a certain event that was traumatic and trauma isn't so much about the event, it's more about the interpretation of the event when you were a kid or when you're an adult or a teenager. Like when people think of trauma, people might go, yeah, when someone is in war and they go through combat or when, uh, when someone has you know, lost a limb or when someone has got attacked by an animal or when someone has got sexually abused. Like, yes, all of those things are trauma. But so is emotional neglect. 
so is just your dad not saying, hey, I'm proud of you. I love you. You're doing awesome. I see you. I just want to acknowledge you right now. I see how much effort you're putting in to all your schoolwork. And I just want to let you know that I'm really proud of you. Not getting that growing up, which is a key component for healthy childhood development, like not getting that, that can be trauma. Dad not being around, constantly going to work and you feeling like, oh, well, where's, where's my masculine father figure? I don't have that around. That can be trauma. Trauma can also be just a look that someone gives you, right? That can be trauma. So being able to heal those parts of us that happened during childhood is a key point to emotional freedom, which I believe is what we're all just trying to come back to. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a second. Is this making sense so far though? Yeah, I'm like literally like loving all of this so much. Okay, cool. So think of, um, so self-healing and the third part, which is self-programming, they're kind of like brother and sister. It's the same thing if you have a garden and you have this garden that you just don't like because there's all these weeds there. Self-healing is about pulling out those weeds and the self-programming is all about going, what do I want in this garden? Let me plant this seed. I want a tomato tree. So let me plant tomato seeds. I want this type of tree. So let me plant this type of seed. So this is all about being able to program specifically our subconscious minds. And we can do that from three different ways. Number one is all about visual programming. Visual programming is getting to the point where we can visualize what we want because you know, our subconscious doesn't know the difference between what's real and what's vividly imagined. And the process of visualization literally creates new neurological pathways in our brain. Another way to think about it is that it just creates new habits, right? Just by visualizing it again and again and again, or watching things like YouTube, right? That can also be programming our minds in either effective ways or ineffective ways. The second thing, after visual programming is verbal programming. What you're probably doing right now, whoever is listening, listening to Jesse's podcast, listening to other people's podcasts, self-talk, being around other people in your environment that is inspiring you, that's having conversations that literally makes you think of new possibilities that, ex that, that you didn't know that existed, right? So that's a key part of self-programming. And the last part, which is what you and I provide as well, which is experiences, getting a coach, going to a retreat, having a, a healing session, doing things like breath work, doing things that is creating a significant emotional experience that reprograms the mind and the body. So these three things combined together is a key component to reprogramming the subconscious and reprogramming the nervous system, the body, right? The last two steps. The fourth thing is all about self-regulation. Self-regulation is about being able to regulate your emotions whenever it is that you get triggered, whenever you feel anxiety, whenever you feel anger, whenever you feel frustration, getting to the point where you can come back to your center, taking a deep breath and regrounding yourself. Everyone's going to get triggered, by the way. Like it's impossible to not react. And it's not about never reacting. It's about minimizing the time between a conscious response to an unconscious reaction. You know, your partner's going to say something and you're going to be like the parts of you that is either fight, flat, freeze, or appease is going to come out and you're going to react. The key is to be able to respond to the reaction. That's the whole entire game. I react all the time. What I feel like I'm just very good at is I'm just very well practiced at being able to ground. And for anyone who is wondering how do we self-regulate the easiest way to do it, Breathe. 
taking a deep breath. Because when we react, we're like all over the place, our head's all over the place and breathing allows you to come back to a place of neutrality. And the last part, self-leadership. This is the whole entire game. Wait, so self-leadership, what I mean by this, it's about self-guiding your behavior, your thoughts, your emotions towards a desired outcome. Sometimes it might be like, Jesse, I want to create an amazing podcast and reach all these people. For some of you who might be listening, you might have a goal that you want to accomplish within the next year. So it could be some macro goals, but it can also be micro things day to day. I just, not, I just don't want to hit snooze when I wake up tomorrow morning. Or I just want to meditate for five minutes consistently for seven days straight. That's self-leadership. And the way that I teach my clients in the deep end is the easiest way to do this, the prompt for this, is do the exact opposite of what your ego is telling you to do. Yeah. You're saying, yo, I don't want to talk to my partner right now because we're fighting. I don't want to do that. Let me breathe. Let me self-regulate. Leadership, self-leadership. Let me go and talk to my partner, even though it's uncomfortable, right? So little things like that really helps. So those are the, the five pillars of self-transformation. That's so incredible. I feel like those five pillars, I was like thinking about like, oh, is there anything where that would be left out here? I feel like you literally covered everything and every step and so perfectly. And it's what's interesting is thinking about that, how some people would be better at different steps than other steps. And then even going further than that, some people would be good at different steps in different uh, categories of their life. So they may be really good at like um, awareness when it comes to their relationship, but they may be terrible at it when it comes to their health or um, they may be amazing at regulation when it comes to their career or business or goal, you know? So that's like so fascinating. But I think the reason that's so perfect is it gives someone a, a structured way in which they can begin because I think that so many people, when they get to this place and they're feeling triggered or they're feeling crap or they're feeling low or they're feeling stuck on the past influences and things like that, and they know they want to get out of that, they kind of know where they want to go, but they don't even know what to do to begin that process. So I feel like that puts everything and all of these amazing things into a, a really nice seamless process for them to begin to follow. And one of the things that I found really interesting and you you listed how there are like thousands of things we can do to begin, you know, healing and things like that. And one of the things that I've seen you talk about before was like kind of like you almost categorize healing in those four different types. You had the really basic and simple things we can do like meditate or be out in nature. You had body love, like uh, eating good nutrition, getting enough sleep and things like that. You had seeking support, getting a coach, talking to friends seeing a therapist but then the fourth kind of category was that somatic healing which I've like I feel like that's the most recent one in in my sort of journey but I feel like a lot of people wouldn't have delved deep into those areas and are currently still in probably that box one of easy and simple they're getting out and going for walks in nature or doing the meditation things like that so can you talk to us a little bit more about the somatic type of healing for what sure. that would include yeah so somatic um, it can be like a word. What, what does somatic mean? Soma just means the body. So what happens is with what I'm working through with people, I'm working through not just with, you might go to a psychotherapist or a psychologist. They're primarily going to focus on the minds. If you go to some type of spiritual healer, they might just focus on the body. I'm more about both, right? And with the soma, the, the body, 
the body work is probably the thing that's missing the most because one of the biggest challenges that I went through around like self-love or around whatever it might be is I was listening to so many podcasts. I read so many, I don't know if you've ever done this, but if you've ever read a book, you knew that it would help you in some way, but then you just didn't do shit. Like you didn't apply it at all. Right? I think we've all done that. We've all done that. Same thing. I listened to a podcast or I listened to each. I was like, that's going to be, that's going to change my life. And then it lasted like a day. Right. Or so many different things happen like that. And the biggest reason what happened for me, why that happened for me was because it wasn't embodied body in body, like the soma, the somatic work. This is why it's so important because that takes it from the head, like knowing a personal development concept intellectually, but it's not integrated. It's not embodied. So that's why this is so important. And uh, there's so many different ways that you can do this things like breath work, rebirthing breath work, where you're getting into the body through breath and releasing trauma. Have you ever done that before? No, I haven't. No. One of the most powerful things that I've ever done. And at the same time, that doesn't mean that it's going to be powerful for everyone. So this is different from, you know, just deep breathing. This is getting to a point where you're accessing certain parts that have remained dormant within your subconscious memories and being able to bring that up and out. And then your body just starts doing its thing. Like I've had times where I've cried the most during that time, uh, during breath work, but that's a difficult thing for people to do by themselves. But one of the, the, the easiest ways that people can do this by themselves is through inner child work, right? Right. Expand, please. Yeah. So with the inner child, what happened? Uh, let me give you uh, some context before I actually describe ways that you can do this. And then you have something practical that you can do. With the inner child, if you talk, again, to a psychotherapist or psychologist, they might say the inner child is a subpersonality that exists within the subconscious. You speak to a spiritual teacher, they're going to probably talk around the different energy centers, the chakras that gets blocked when you, know, you go through some type of trauma during childhood, and they might refer it to that. I just keep it simple. The inner child is just the younger version of you that still exists within you. Yeah. And we have a hurt inner child and we also have a nourished inner child. And the hurt inner child is the parts of you that wasn't seen growing up. We all have healthy uh, certain things that we need for healthy childhood development. So the first thing is the need to be seen growing up. Just for mom or dad or your primary caregiver to be like, you're Jesse, as I mentioned before, like, I see you. You're doing awesome. Keep going. We all need that. The second thing is to be heard growing up, to be like, Jesse, what's up? What are you feeling? Like you can, anything, what you say right now is it's all welcome. What are you feeling right now? Instead, we get told to shut up, stop talking, stop, stop crying. Like that's what I got taught, right? To not speak. Yeah. So the need to be heard is such, a, is such an important component for healthy childhood development. The third thing is to be physically comforted, right? You have a parent who is, uh, where the baby's crying and just the, the just the the act of rocking the baby just you know maybe singing for them but the act of just physical comfort releases oxytocin which allows the baby and humans to just relax right the fourth thing is the need to have a safe space to healthfully or unapologetically express yourself whether that be with your creative abilities whether that be with intuition or play right as a kid, you start playing around and then your parents say, stop playing around, stop it. Stop like acting up, we're in public. So then your inner child's like, okay, this is no longer safe for me to express myself. 
So 10 years later, for me, I had a time, hard time dancing. I had a hard time moving my body around because that part of me was shut down. So the inner child is just the accumulation of all of the unmet needs that happens during childhood. Whether you, when you weren't seen, when you weren't heard, when you weren't physically comforted, when you, weren't, when you didn't have that safe space to express yourself. All of these things accumulates and then your inner child is just there saying, Yo, when are you going to look at me? When are you going to pay attention to me? And when we don't do that, we have behavioral adaptations as a result of this pain that's going on that we haven't looked at. Whether that be addiction, whether that be needing a relationship rather than wanting a relationship. Don't leave me. Please don't leave me. Like that can be yeah. a result of mom or dad leaving you as a child. Does this, does this kind of make sense? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So with inner child work, what we're basically doing is I break it down for my clients in three different steps, the three C's, right? This is the inner child process. The first step, just as a, the same thing with the five pillars, number one, self, uh, just consciousness, right? The ability to scan your body whenever you feel triggered, whenever there's an urge coming up, whenever there's some type of emotion that's arising that feels heavy. Usually that's a part of you that is calling for attention, let me rephrase it. It's usually your inner child calling for attention. I just want to eat binge eating. I know that you mentioned before, like that's something that I struggled with for a very long time. So just the ability to have that awareness of like, okay, I want food right now. Notice it, catch it, create consciousness around my urge to go and eat food. But then the second thing that we want to do, the second C is to connect. This is when we can close our eyes, and we can meet our younger selves at eye contact and see the sadness, see the loneliness, see the frustration, feel the frustration of the seven-year-old Jesse, of the eight-year-old Matt. And just to ask ourselves, like, what do you need right now? What's up? What are you feeling? And we, usually it's going to be one of those four things. I just, need a, I just need a hug right now. I just feel so lonely. Okay, let me, I got you. I'm just hugging yourself. Or maybe it just needs to be heard. And you might say, well, like, what's up? What are you feeling? And your younger version of you might just start speaking out loud all these things that you're feeling. And you're just saying, there is nothing that you can say. There is nothing that you can do in this moment that isn't welcomed. Share everything. And you might start to feel and see all these things that is coming up that was dormant, that might relate to childhood or that might relate to things that is going on in your current life. But then the third C is about the completion process. This is when you go and do that thing that your inner child was saying in that moment when you're connecting. So there's a, there's a meditation um, that I do with my clients that really, really helps. And, but basically what you can do is just close your eyes and do those three things. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, so amazing. And I think this is really important because so many people right now are walking around um, triggered or feeling hurt or feeling discomfort or feeling just these uncomfortable emotions in the, and feelings in their body and having no idea why or where they're coming from. And then they almost um, feel guilt for feeling that way or feel frustration for feeling that way when they don't know why it's coming up or why they're feeling that. And I know for so many clients I've had, oh, I just... I was having a really good week and then I just had a really bad day. I have no idea why. And I think this happens for so many people all the time, not having any understanding why or where these things happen. And it could be because something 
that day you were having a normal day and something triggered you, but it didn't trigger you. It triggered five-year-old or six-year-old you. And because you're over it, you don't understand why you're feeling down, but it doesn't mean that that, that inner, inner child isn't feeling you know hurt in some way or something like that. And it kind of gives you that understanding of recognizing that, that other part of you and that other part of self, which is so incredibly important. And uh, I feel like I haven't done enough conscious work on that but I feel like without intending to I've been delving down that and it's just so fascinating how all sort of links like I feel like so much of the shadow work and so much of that shadow self is part of the things that the inner child um, had neglected or whatever and what's so interesting is you spoke about those those four things that a child needs for like healthy development and so forth and I was thinking about how someone could have a very normal upbringing without any intense trauma um, based on what people assume trauma to be and their parents could love them and they could still not get those four things right like because their parents may have been you know maybe their love language was words of affirmation so they always said to their child I'm really proud of you but their parents weren't touchy or filly so never cuddled their children or their parents are their um, love language was physical touch so they would always give them a kiss on the forehead and give them a cuddle but they would never say well done, I'm proud of you. So it's like you could have a healthy upbringing by society standards and it's still not be enough to really nurture that inner child uh, within you, which is mind blowing and just shows like who even gets through life without having something neglected within that yeah, part of themselves. Exactly. And three things that you just reminded me of when you were talking about like walking around, like the way that I see it, and this was me for a very long time and still to this day, like I'm never finished. I'm never like killed 100% complete like oh there's always going to be stuff i believe that we're just walking around as wounded children in the in the mask of an adult all of us right so that's the first thing the second thing um was i will so i'll create something so i have my meditation i give to all my clients you don't have to opt in you don't have to put in your name and email i'm going to create a link on my website that people can go to where they can just like download it for free. There's no like, there's no, you don't have to put in your details. So I'll create it like mattkarma.com forward slash Jesse. And I'll Amazing. put that there. So people can download, it's a 10, 10 to 12 minute meditation that you can do. Um, and you can, you can actually have, you can do this. Because it's one thing to be able to hear things on a podcast. It's another thing to be able to sit down and actually do this and get a ton of value from doing this somatic work. So I'll give that to everyone who is listening. Um, so good i hope everyone who's listening right now takes matt up on that offer that's going to be incredible i'm going to go do it myself as well perfect and the third thing i can't even remember what the third thing was what were you saying before this um i was talking about the the child um and the four the four needs not getting met yeah i I was thinking about this with the love languages and i've never seen anyone post about like how this is for like the five love five love languages that they're spoken about but they're not really spoken about like how why is it that we value this most and i find that it's either because uh, with our love template it's created by it reminds us of the love that we got during childhood if your mom was very physical touchy and your dad was like physical touch to you like all the time it's like always hugging and that's a value for you it's because it reminds you of what you got during childhood or if you never got this thing then you're going to value that the most. So it's really, it's really interesting that you touched on that. That's the way that I think about it. 
Yes. And I think that it's really funny because my top two is words of affirmation and quality time. And my mum gave me so much quality time and my dad didn't give me words of affirmation. So it's like I crave the words of affirmation because um, dad is an acts of service. And this is the interesting thing is I so many of my wounds or traumas that I have um, that have created within my personality are very much to do with when I was younger you know, dad never saying like, well done, or I love you. I'm proud of you as much. And so that young version of me grew up feeling somewhat inadequate in a really roundabout way. But as I've gotten older, one of the things that's really helped me heal that part of myself that didn't feel validated was learning about love languages. Because when I learned about that, I was like, dad's love language is acts of service. Like how many times would dad, um, he would try to teach me to ride a bike or if my computer broke, dad was like a like tech whiz. So he would spend so much time working out how to fix my computer or, you know, he was always that person who would fix things or spend, spend time like doing things to help make my time easier. And I was like, I wasn't unloved as a child, which like I know my 25 year old self knows, but that younger version of me was hearing mum being like, good job, Jess. So then, because I did get it from one parent, it's not like I fully lacked that, but I got it from one parent. So then because I didn't get it from the other parent, I was like, what's wrong with me? Why, why, why is my A plus not awesome? You know? So I feel like learning about love languages is so fascinating because exactly as you said, it's either that part that you love that you received as a child or that part that felt neglected. And so no you, you crave it. Yeah. No in between, not, not at all, which is just so I funny. Just made me think about like my, my one is um, physical touch. Number one, like it's so easy to make me feel loved. Like if someone just goes like this, then I'm like, <sighs> I just feel super loved. Right. That's number yeah. one. But the second thing is words of affirmation because the person whose love that I craved the most growing up was my dad. And he didn't really do that at all. So like that totally makes sense. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So crazy. I love that. And I actually, um, coming back to what we were talking about before with the somatic kind of healing and things like that, I reminded me of one of the, when I was working with you one-on-one, you actually did a form, you did a guided meditation for me, which worked on, um, submodalities and we did that thing working on what was feeling you know what was my main fear at the time and then we gave it like a feeling and a color and where was it in my body and hot and cold and we moved through and I remember finishing and I was like bawling my eyes out but I felt so light after and I think that's that's just confirmation anyone listening like this stuff it it works in a different way that just that just meditating or um just doing a workout, you know, they're all things that add in the, add in the mix. But I think this is a whole nother category of things, which isn't tapped into enough. So I guess what moving, moving on from that, cause I know that trauma is like such a big thing that you're so amazing with how, what would be your advice for someone to help remove those destructive thought patterns around when people begin healing traumas or healing addictions or healing these things, they have this idea in their mind. This is something that I've noticed working with clients is they have this idea in their mind that it's going to be a really beautiful process and it's all nice and they don't have moments of um, relapsing, I guess you could say, or um, yeah, they're so hard and critical on themselves when it's like because they know they want to heal they and they know how to heal, they expect to have healed. 
So what would your advice be to someone who is beginning out on this process and maybe knows the steps to take and is actively taking the steps, but doesn't yet feel fully healed of trauma or addiction or whatever it may be? That's a really good question. I love it. You're really good asking awesome questions, by the way. I (laughs) I like to go deep. (laughs) So the way that I think about healing is I think of it like cleaning. What I mean by this is that you don't clean the room once and like, okay, I'm done for life. No, it doesn't work like that. It's a continual process. And at the same time, this, this idea of like wanting everything quick shows up not just in one area of life, but for multiple areas of life. Whether that be, I want to lose 10 kilograms in six weeks. Yo, chill. Let's just focus on building one habit at a time. I want to earn $100,000 in one month. Okay, well, let's just focus on releasing content first. Let's focus on this. Like, let's, let's just chill for a second. I want to heal my trauma that I've gone through since childhood in one session. Chill, relax. Like, it's a marathon, not a sprint. There, those are the dubs there. So it's a marathon. <laughs> Mine are going too, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's all good. So just remembering that, it's such a cliche saying, like, it's a marathon, not a sprint. But like, actually letting that sink in, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And also, it's okay to go slow. It's okay to go slow. And the three most important words that I give to my clients is like to honor your humanness. It's a big thing that a lot of people don't create space for, to honor our humanness, to honor those parts of us that does feel uncomfortable during times. Like, it's, it's okay. It's okay to feel these, it's okay to relapse. It's part of the journey because failure, like relapse, failure, it's just feedback. Just feedback about what worked, what didn't work. And sometimes we mm. need to relapse to find out how we can prevent certain triggers from relapsing again. We had to go through that to have an experience to find out, okay, now I know how to avoid this happening. So it's all an essential part of the journey, all of it. And just remembering, remembering that honoring your humanness and allowing. So the way that I like to think about it, it's kind of like this. So in Bali, actually, let me give it a worldwide example. If you're at like a crossroad where there's all these different intersections with cars trying to go through and this, let's say the traffic lights are all closed down, the electricity's off. So a police officer might go in the middle and like stop certain cars and say, you stop, you over there, you can pass through. You can pass through, you can pass through and stop, you can pass through. And this police officer is like the ego. I call it the illusionist, like the ego. So what happens is, right? The ego, the police officer says, Yo, happy emotions, love and light, pass through the body. All that can flow through the body, that's totally welcomed. Guilt, shame, frustration, self-anger, stop. You're not allowed here. Well, what we resist persists. It's going to continue showing up. But the very second that we just allow that police officer to go away and to find the peace in all of the chaos that's going through our body, that's what, that's what honoring the humanist is all about getting rid of the moral judgment saying this emotion is bad this emotion is good all of it's beautiful all of it's human so i think that that's what people really really need i think one of your many talents like one of your very many underrated talents is your ability to provide amazing metaphors and analogies for things i just remember coaching with you in like every session i was like what will today's analogy be (laughs) (laughs) i love the thing about cleaning about how you don't clean your room and it stays clean it's like you clean it 
but you're going to have to keep cleaning it over and over and over and like mindset work and healing and things like that are exactly the same. You don't get to do anything once and, um, and then it stays that way. You've, you've got to work at it and, and just keep doing all of those things that you need to get done it, because for every trigger that you heal a new one will form or something like that. So, yes. um, I'm going to ask you, um, I might pick two questions to ask you just based off some questions people ask on Instagram. So the first one, and I'm real, I'm not really, um, like I have a rough idea, but I'm not very, I can't speak very well to this, but can you lose your memory from going through trauma? Yes. We lit me and my partner, I know we just spoke about this two, two days ago because I was thinking about this. Like I was thinking about certain parts of childhood, I was, photos came up on my, on my mom's um, Facebook. And I looked at photos of myself, I was like, when the hell did that happen? I have no memory of that happening. And I was speaking to my partner, Aina, and I was like, like do you, I wonder if something happens during childhood where I just shut that, shut that down completely. But then she was like, she just allowed the, um, she's saying that's totally normal, certain things happen, but yeah, it's, it's very common. If something happens that was super painful, the minds will naturally not want to, the, the minds naturally wants to avoid pain and gain pleasure. If something was super painful, then what will happen is the minds does generally three things. It deletes, distorts, and generalizes. And a big part of deleting information is because something might be super painful or it's to prevent overwhelm. Like our minds can only focus on certain things at once. Like right now, the mind is probably focusing on my voice, on Jess's voice, where you are, the feeling, but you probably weren't aware of how many times you were blinking until I now mentioned it. So the subconscious like totally deleted that out. So that also happens with certain memories during childhood. It deletes that out to prevent overwhelm or because it's super painful. So yeah, that is super, super common. I think something really interesting which can help with healing as well is understanding that the way our brain and kind of like memory works is if you look at every single memory you have in like a treasure chest, Mm. every time you recall that memory, you open up that treasure chest and the memory pops out. And every single time, whether consciously or not, you remember that memory, something about the memory can slightly change. And then it goes back in the treasure chest and gets saved as that new version. So for example, if you have a memory in your treasure chest and you recall it, it comes out, you were wearing a purple top, but now it was like a pinky purple, boom, saved. And next time you genuinely think you're wearing a pinky purple top, but the next time you recall that that memory, you're wearing a pink top, boom, saved. You genuinely 100% believe you're wearing a pink top for that event. And I think this is really interesting because it's why so many people, you know, when you've got a friend and you're recalling an event and they're like, no, this happened. And you're like, no, this is how it happened. And they're like, no, a hundred percent, this happened. And yes. you're both recalling the memory in a different way because of how you've distorted it in your own mind, which is so fascinating. Yep. And I think this can help with healing with negative memories yes. by, by sometimes asking yourself, was that experience as, and like, um, this isn't about like severe trauma or anything like that. This is just about those general beliefs that we have that may be negative. Was that experience as bad as what I thought? Or over time, have I changed that experience to become more and more negative to the point that I now think it was way worse than what it actually was, which is so fascinating. And I feel like 
has been things where I've done in, in my past of someone treating me a certain way, but I've held on to it. And every time I've recalled it, they may have treated me a little bit worse in that situation. And then, you know, you go down five years and all of a sudden you're, you're, when you recall that memory, they treated you like shit, you know, but in actual fact, it wasn't even that bad. So really, that. really fascinating. Yeah. Um, all right. Another question. What would your advice be for healing trauma or even spiritual healing after someone suffers from a utopic pregnancy? Do you know what that is? A what, sorry? Uh, ectopic pregnancy. A top, atopic pregnancy. What? Etopic, I can't even pronounce it. Utopic pregnancy. Is that how you pronounce it? Anyone listening? Utopic pregnancy. It's basically, I know what it is. I just can't pronounce it. It's basically when a um, it the baby gets fertilizer the egg grows outside of the uterus it's most commonly grows in the fallopian tube which means it can't survive outside of the uterus so it either dies or um like the egg dies or the it can begin growing and the fallopian tube can burst which then means that permanently an egg can no longer get from the ovary to the uterus which means you can't get pregnant from that entire side so it's basically can be anything from the loss of a baby right through to losing a fallopian tube um depending how far along it was so basically i guess losing a baby let's generalize as losing a baby what would be your advice to someone um beginning to go through healing a trauma like that that's a really really good question and this is why it's uh when i when i break down the different ways to start self-programming or self-healing there's not one way that can help someone especially with that because in my deep end program like from all the times that i've done it we have people who have come in where they've just got bullied like I did, which is all traumatic, right? But then we've also had people who have got kidnapped. We've had people who have been raped and kidnapped. We've had people who have um, felt guilty because someone committed suicide and then they blamed them and then they wrote a letter. We've had all this stuff happen, right? And there's not, I, the thing that I might give to someone who has got bullied is not gonna be the same thing that I give to someone who has gone through stuff like this. So what naturally came out is during that time when you're speaking about that and I was picturing this woman is that usually there is probably some guilt or shame Mm. or non-acceptance around what has happened. Now, this is me generalizing because I can't say exactly because I don't know this person. I definitely need more um, context. But what I would guide them through is a process where they can start to honor the past and realize that what happens happens and it couldn't have happened any other way because it happens. Yeah. That's really hard to, to, to take in through the mind, but like that was all it happens. So like having that acceptance around that, and then there might probably be some guilt or shame around whatever might happen. What happens? Because if there was someone who was eating food or if they're judging themselves because I, I did this and maybe that's what happened and maybe there's some self blame. And then being able to release that is such a key foundation for, for releasing that, that trauma that is there. So what I would say to that woman or anyone who is um, going through something super challenging to reach out for support, whether that be a therapist, whether that be some type of professional that you trust and resonate with, that's a key thing as well. Like I'm sure that um, with any coach that I want to look for, I'm making sure that do I connect with this person? Like that, that's a key foundation for it all. So find someone who you connect with that you trust, that you know can guide you throughout a process of healing. Um, and that's always the best way. 
That's so amazing. Thank you. And that's it's a hard one to talk about because one, it's super heavy and two, without having further information and things like that. Um, but I think we will wrap it up there. I think you've given us so much amazing content in terms of just education and learning about these things and what they even are, as well as actual streamlined processes to begin um working through healing and things like that but if someone's looking to learn more about you read more of your content and guys I have to say Matt gives away so much valuable free content like more valuable free content that you can actually utilize than like anyone I know so um, you definitely want to jump into it but if they want to work with you or anything like that where can they find you what, what how can they work with you and so forth yeah, just go to um, mattkarma.com and you'll see like different tabs available where you can just learn more about me. And there's some free, there's a, there's a webinar that I've just created yesterday that you can click on that's totally free and just gives you more practical things that you can use. Um, so just go there, go to matt underscore karma, C-A-M-A on Instagram. Um, and I'll leave that free link. I'll make sure that that gets done today where anyone who wants to download free, that free meditation, the child inner childhood meditation, they can get that. They just need to click the button and it's on your phone. Um, so I'll put that, what did I say? Mattkarma.com forward slash Jesse. Just go there. Yeah. I might pop that in the show notes of the podcast as well. So people can link straight through. I'll pop your Instagram and stuff like that in there as well. So people can find you. And I, I've got to say, guys, from working with Matt myself, he, he's amazing. So definitely check out his stuff. But thank you so much for taking the time today. Um, hope you are living life in Bali just to its fullest. But it's been so great to talk. And I think you've given us so much valuable content. So thank you so much for your time. You're welcome. Thanks for having me on. I loved it. 